we're ready, and we are so glad that you have joined us. Thanks so much for dropping in today. My name is Travis Rosinger, and I am sitting here with my wife and my co-host, Don Rosinger. Hey, everyone. So pumped to be with you guys. We woke up this morning, and on my drive into work, the sun was out. It was bright. There was not a cloud in the sky. And I remember, Travis, this morning we were praying as I was driving in, and I was like, God, help me to be as excited on the cloudy days as I am this morning, because it was just such a beautiful morning, reminding me that God's mercies are new every morning, and just in the beautiful sky, it was just incredible thing to wake up to this morning. And then morning. you open your eyes, and it got sunnier. Yes. yes. Or were you driving with your eyes closed? No. <laughs> Obviously, when we're uh, praying and driving, I'm driving with my eyes okay. open. But, I'm so glad. Yeah. Unless we have a Tesla, then you're okay. You yeah, can do that. No. Well, you know, this has been a great week. We've kind of been laying low, flying under the radar, just kind of kicking back, relaxing. We didn't really have to travel this week. And so we've done some really fun things on our time off. Normally, of course, we load up our week with lots of great work, ministry, and and just uh, enjoying what we do for our professions. But then we like to play hard. We right? do, yep. But you know what? This last week, we actually stopped and we scheduled in some time where we we're going to be at home and have some rest and some fun stuff around home, but just really enjoying the home that God's given us. So we stayed home for a couple of days on our days off. You know, we got some extra rest. We did go out to supper with some really dear friends, which was fun um, at night. We set up our Christmas tree, which I was excited about because right now it's before Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not sure when you're going to listen to this podcast, but before Thanksgiving, setting it up. So a little bit out of the ordinary, but that was so much fun. Oh, it was great. And what's so cool is we didn't just set up our Christmas tree. We moved it. It's in a new yeah, location. we got a whole new spot. Yeah, it was in our living room, which is on the same floor as our family room. But this time we moved the Christmas tree, set it up to our family room right next to our fireplace. Yeah, so it'll be right next to the stockings, the fireplace. There's more room, which is great, but... Yeah, we turned the lights on and it was right by the fireplace and it just looks so beautiful, so cozy. It's like we're ready for Christmas, but we're ready for a terrible winter. No, no, cold, don't say that. Snowy no, winter. Not. We're going to be snuggled up around that that Christmas tree and the fire is going to be raging. It's going to be awesome. I'm but that go- worked out good. Right. I'm going to believe that it's going to be a very warm winter and we're not going to have a lot of snow. That, so that would be don't nice. burst my bubble. Not realistic, <laughs> but that would be nice. You know, we did an interesting thing though on Friday night. We went to a movie um, and it was called After Death. And it was a very good movie. It actually was a documentary, like a two-hour documentary yeah, that really just so talked good. about death. And we went to see this movie at our favorite movie theater in another state, Wisconsin, but it really is only about like 40 minutes yeah, from our it's house. Not, not that far. But back to the movie, the movie was fabulous. Like, no, it's not like the number one grossing movie in the whole world. And it, you know, it's not going to blow your mind, but it blew our minds. Like it's that good. good, It's so good. Why? Because they talked about death and what it's like to die and what all these people that, you know, once they're dead, what do they experience as they are standing there next to their lifeless body? What they experienced as they, you know, end up in a place that feels like heaven or hell. It was crazy. And they was really cool. Yeah, They were legitimately 
dead. I mean, some a lady had drowned. Another gentleman was in a car accident. There was a plane crash. There was just numerous ways that these people had died. And they had all these death experiences. And they all had very similar experiences when they came back to life. You know, God brought them back and they were able to explain what happened to them. And it was super encouraging. Even the ones that maybe were struggling in an area and they died and they were going towards a dark place and how they cried out to God. And and in that moment, God kind of grabbed them and pulled them back. And it was just a very encouraging movie. And just when I think about death, it just made death seem even more peaceful. Yeah, super encouraging. I think part of it is because no one ever just sits around and talks about, hey, what's life going to be like after death? And and uh, and what does the Bible say? And so it was really, really insightful, really fun. Um, I think you may have used this word, Don, but encouraging. It was encouraging. We yeah. walked away and we're like, hey. We actually want to die. Like, not right now, but we want to die. Like, we want to go to heaven. We want to be near Jesus and in heaven and experiencing all that love and all that light. And it also, you know, I think it's it's something that's really important for all of us to be thinking about on a regular basis because we're all going to die. It's kind of relevant, right? It's something not to fear at all, honestly. Because of our relationship with Jesus, we know where we're going to spend eternity and we have this hope. But the process of dying itself is what, fear. you know, a lot of people fear. And so just kind of looking at these people's lives in the documentary and just the wisdom that they've gained from these situations just was fascinating. Yeah, it's a must see. I I highly recommend it. We don't endorse a lot of movies or TV shows or, you know, books or whatever, but wow, that is one that is fabulous because it really gets you to think. Yep. Again, it's called After Death. That was the name of the movie. Well, while we were off on our few days, we went to Sam's Club. We had to get some groceries. I mean, Obviously, by the end of the week, our house is out of food, so we have to go and. Why are you looking to, at me that way when you <laughs> say we're quick, out of food? <laughs> well, you, or you'll go to Quick Trip and grab your bananas. Travis loves bananas, so Quick Trip is his banana stop, like I'm weekly or twice weekly. But we went to Sam's Club and we needed to pick up a few things, and so it was kind of a busier afternoon. And we went through the line, and then you know, after you go through the line at Sam's Club, then you have to go through another line, right? When you go to yeah. leave the the store, you have to show them your receipt and they, they want to make sure things. you're not stealing yeah, anything. They you make, paid yeah. for your stuff. Well, we were standing in this line and all of a sudden we could hear kind of a ruckus in the background. And as the, the noise got louder, we realized there was this little girl that was screaming and running and, yeah, and running from like one side. I mean, one side of the store all the way to the other side. And then she came by our line as we were go- trying to, you know, go out the door. And there's this other, uh, you know, enclosed area where people pick up their, their orders. And she ran all the way through there. And she was literally just screaming. And all these people were looking at her, wondering, you know, why she screamed, but um, not willing to help her. And even a couple of the workers said, why is she in our area? Why, why is she screaming? And I kept going, Oh my word, she just lost her parents. Like she's lost. She doesn't know where her mom or dad is. To me, it was so obvious. I'm like, why isn't anyone helping her? And she's running through this enclosed area. And all of a sudden I'm like, I know that I can help her. I I stepped out of line, which was an inconvenience, but I'm like, no, I'm going to help this little girl. I stepped out of line and she ran out of this enclosed area and I put my arms out and she just jumped in my arms and like grabbed onto me, squeezed me. (laughs) And she stopped screaming, screaming, but she 
had this panic look on her face, like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? And I just looked at her. I'm like, it's okay. We'll find your mom. We'll find your dad. And I turned around and I began to walk. And sure enough, on the other side of a store, the store, we saw the parents walking or running frantically looking for their daughter. And I walked up to them and they were reunited. And his daughter was just happy as can be. And, you know, the dad said, thank you so much. But I was not going to let her not be helped. She was looking for something. She was lost. And I'm like, how can I help her? And when she, you know, when I embraced her um, for that moment, she was so grateful. She was in her three-year-old sort of way and the most adorable little girl. And it was funny from my perspective, again, that voice and just running. It was like, ah, and it just kept getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, wham, she's right there. But it was funny because like you said, Don, people just kind of looked and they got annoyed and irritated. One worker, a gentleman looked at me and, and he just walked off and he said these words. He's like, I'm not going to deal with that. And he walked the other direction. And I thought, wait, is that her dad? Just kind of walk. And it wasn't. It was just a, a stranger that could have helped. Somebody right. that was right there that could have helped and said, hey, sweetie, let's go find your mom and dad. But he just walked off super annoyed, super irritated. Right. But when you knelt down and you reached out your arms, she was pumped. <laughs> well, I, again, I was just shocked because either people were ignoring it, which I don't know how they could ignore her because she was very loud screaming like bloody murder for her mom and dad. Um, or they just completely turned around and walked the other way. I'm like, we have to help. And so I, that story, we talked about it afterwards as we were driving home. I'm like, why didn't anyone help her? Why didn't they just stop? I mean, it was just a simple uh, inconvenience maybe because I had to step out of line, but it didn't matter. I wanted to help this girl. It's funny because in Proverbs 3.27, it says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Yeah. And that verse, do something. Yeah, do something. That's exactly what that verse says. Let me repeat it. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. There was like probably 50 people there that could have helped this little girl at any moment and they didn't. And I was probably the furthest way. We were honestly walking out the door and I'm like, no, we are going to help we her. We got to do something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could, you know, swap out the word good and we could say, do not withhold help from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Right. And I think most of the time it's rare, but most of the time it's within our power it to is. act. It absolutely like, is. If we're there in the middle of something bad that's going down or something inconvenient or somebody's stressed out or in absolute need. It's in our power to help and we need to do something. We don't want to withhold that good or that help that we can give to somebody all, else. Yes, we all have that ability to help others. I know that life can get busy and complicated and it's honestly, it's really easy to just stay in our own lanes and uh, not look up or to help others maybe in their need because life just gets busy. And this is more common with strangers or people that maybe we're not super close with or have a relationship with. But I know this can happen in marriage as well. And we have seen this in our own marriage. It's happened to us at times where life and work really gets so busy and we get distracted and we don't see each other's needs. And maybe one of us is struggling in an area or maybe dog paddling and we're just too busy to see it. I remember specifically, Travis, when you were a full-time pastor, you were writing messages every week, you were leading a church, you were finishing your master's degree, you're fathering two you know, elementary age kids. Your life was so stretched beyond belief. And at times I just felt like I just didn't have access to you, not because you didn't care or you weren't willing, but because your schedule was just so 
impactful. Yeah, that was a crazy time. Super, super intense. And I totally agree with you. And in that moment, um, you know, if you needed help, it would have been hard for me to just stop everything and pour out attention and be super available. We got through it. We but did. We did look back and go, wow, that was not probably one of our better moments. Yeah, probably like, one of the busiest seasons of our marriage in our life. I think it back. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was so crazy. But you know, that's a snapshot of reality. I mean, whose life isn't crazy at times and it ebbs and it flows. Sometimes it's fever pitch crazy and sometimes it it's it's just normal, not, not right. mellow. I don't think anybody has a mellow life, but um, but it's in those times when things are crazy that we need to have a heightened sense of, wait, how is my spouse doing? And it just reminds me of a conversation I had one time uh, with a person who is struggling in their marriage. And I know that they were just kind of thinking, you know, where is this marriage going to go? And, and so uh, as we began to unpack it, and talk about it, it became very obvious that their spouse was struggling and probably struggling on their own, that the one that I was talking to was succeeding and everything was going really, really well for them, uh, but not so well for their spouse. And so it, it just makes, makes me think of that passage that you just talked about, Don. You know, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due. That's your spouse, first and foremost. Does your spouse need help? Are you in that place where you have the power to act? Of course you are. God has put you there. You helped decide to get there, you know, when you went to the marriage altar. And so, you know, just reflecting on that, it's like once that person that I was talking to, once they realized, whoa, I could do this, I could do this, I could do that. It's like they needed a third person mm, yeah. to just chat with and figure out, wait, I do have power to act and I am in a position to do something. And that was so, so important for them. That's why we've titled this episode, Stop, Listen, and Do Something. Act, move, make it happen. Again, it reminds us of that incident at Sam's Club. Yeah, when we saw this little girl running and flailing her arms and you know crying out for help and seeing that no one would stop, they wouldn't they weren't listening and they wouldn't act. And so honestly, I had to look at my own life and, and think, you know, am I going to always be there and try and help people? Am I willing to act? But then even more so, Travis, am I able to stop, listen and act in our own marriage? Am I listening and making sure that if you're in a place where you're flailing your arms and you're running around, am I going to be there to step out of the line and say, hey, let me help you. Let me make sure that, you know, our marriage is on track and I want to be the one there to help. Yeah. And that's like metaphorical. Like, what does that look like for each person? And I think sometimes your spouse, they might be in a place where they lack confidence and, and they're suffering in silence or, or maybe they're hurt. Maybe they have some hurt from the past and they're struggling with that trying to get rid of it because right. maybe a family member's done something bad to them or a coworker. You know, it could be a lot of different things. Maybe they're struggling with their weight or they're struggling with, um, you know, their, their career. They're trying to get ahead at work. Everybody else is getting promoted and they're not. And just trying to listen to the pain and stopping your own life and really paying attention to your spouse. 
I really appreciate that about you, Travis. I don't necessarily maybe verbalize something when I'm, you know, they're upset or need something. I just kind of tend to shrink back and I get quiet. And that to you, you know, man, when I kind of get quiet and shrink back, that something's probably going on in my brain, in my, you know, my thoughts, something I'm struggling with. And you're always quick to say, hey, are you doing okay? And you know, you know me well enough that when I pull back that, hey, no, I'm probably needing some encouragement or, you know, just some some wisdom, some guidance and some. Hey, friends, we'll get right back to the episode, but we just wanted to say if this podcast has encouraged you in any way, please consider sharing it on social media. Leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. We would also love to hear from you. So feel free to leave a comment. And for more information about Travis or Don Rosinger, go to lovingthefight.com. Direction. Yeah. Again, it's that acting. It's jumping into action. So what can we do? Uh, first of all, answer the question, are you willing to help? Of course you are. It's your spouse. You love them. You'd probably die for them. So what can you do? Well, first of all, just be aware. Like, are you positioned in a place in your marriage where you're aware what is truly going on? And it's kind of what you just talked about, Don. It's it's me sensing, hey, you're getting quiet and trying to pull out, you know, from you what what is actually happening. So digging into intentional conversations. Are you having intentional conversations? Are you just letting life happen? And then you're having reactive conversations to whatever is melting down around you. And so really just kind of knowing uh, your spouse and, and knowing about them and all the areas of their lives. What areas are they winning in? What areas right, are yep. they losing in? What areas are they just feeling awful and insecure about? Really digging into those those areas out of love, out of concern. You know, once you are actually, you know, making sure that you're aware that you're being aware. Are you ready? Are you, the second one is be ready. Are you positioning yourself in a place where you are ready? Don't get caught off guard. A lot of times if we get caught off guard, there was probably warning signs or there was probably things that you could have noticed, you know, ahead of time, but we're just not in that position. We need to be present physically and in our conversation. So physically we're there, we're in the right spot. You know, we're, we're home at night. We're having those, those date nights. We're, we're in bed having those conversations, but then you're honestly, you're just physically present in conversations as well. So you're just, you're being a very good listener. So you're, you're in the position where you're just ready to act if needed. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that we are all so ready to help others around us that sometimes we forget about our own spouse or when they are in need of help or something's happening, maybe they're getting louder, not quieter like you, Don. Maybe, you know, they're they're just talking a lot and they're upset. Instead of like stopping and listening and doing something, sometimes we get annoyed by their need for help when we have already given everything away to other people and now we're depleted. And, and so it's really important to be ready to help your spouse first and to make sure you're taking care of them. I like how the Bible says that when a man... Uh, takes care of his wife. It's like taking care of his own body mm, yeah, and he yep. should be putting her first and really trying to make sure that she is well taken care of. And the same would be for the wife. Take care of your husband as if it's your own body. So then if you are ready to help, the next thing is just to actually be 
helpful. Choose beforehand that you're willing to be helpful, even if it's inconvenient and you may have to make an adjustment, you know, or rearrange your schedule. Or like for us at Sam's Club, just to step out of line to help this little girl be helpful. Take the action needed to help. And honestly, if it's having a conversation, if it's going to see a marriage counselor, maybe this is beyond like something in your marriage is a struggle and you need to go that next step going, you know, that next step and taking uh, that action and making sure that you're helpful. Yeah. This is that stop, listen, and then the do something. Right. Yep. Do something. Don't just wait. Don't just uh, watch your, your spouse drowned all by themselves. Man, reach out and pull them out of the water and do something. Charles Dickens says this, come, let's be a comfortable couple and take care of each other. How glad we shall be that we have somebody we are fond of always to talk and sit with. And that is such a great um, just insight from him. I know it's kind of poetic too, but it's just such a great insight in terms of, of just being that couple that we're so comfortable together that we're actually taking care of each other. I agree. And, and we're there to, to be able to listen and to lean on each other and to talk Oh, man, that's so good. Because if we're having those conversations, if we're talking to each other, if you're sitting with each other, you're going to know when your spouse is maybe struggling with something or needs just that extra you know, encouragement, that extra hug, whatever it needs to meet their needs for that day. Um, I, I, I appreciate what Charles Dickens said. Um, the last thing, you know, how can we make sure that we are willing to help, that we're ready to help is this be intentional about follow-up. So once you actually do the action, once you're actually helpful, be intentional about follow-up. Sometimes one circumstance is actually really exposing a much bigger problem. Be intentional about making sure that this doesn't happen again. Like if something happened, make you know, solve the, the problem, make sure that it's not going to happen again, have multiple conversations to make sure the problem is dealt with and not just swept under the rug, you know, making sure like, Hey, let's deal with this head on. Um, not just put a bandaid on it, but really deal with the issue. Yeah. And that's that long-term care, that marriage that just says, I'm not going to fix it right now. I'm going to be there as well. You know, we're doing what we can to heal things right now, but I'm going to be there to continue to help you, you know, month after month, year after year. Let's go back to that. Let's revisit that. And we've done that many times, Don, in our own, you know, marriage. There's been times where I've brought up things to you and usually it's like on a road trip or something. I'm like, hey, how are you doing with that? That was from 10 years ago. How are you feeling about that now? Is that all gone? You know, and just kind of digging into the things that maybe were really difficult at one point and you feel like your spouse has passed, but still going back and being intentional and digging it up just a little bit, not like digging six feet, but just kind of scratching the surface and saying, hey, yeah. do you want to go there again? Do you right. need to go there again? Um, I'm available. I'm listening. I'm stopping. I want to help. Going back to the question, are you willing to help? We're going to go a little bit old school like we did with Charles Dickens and go to a quote from George Eliot that says, what greater thing is there for two human souls than to feel that they are joined for life, to strengthen each other in all labor, to rest on each other in all sorrow, to minister to each other in silent, unspeakable memories at the moment of the last Parting. Man, that is a team. That is a, a husband and a wife working together, making sure that they're meeting the needs, making sure that if something's happening, the other person's well aware, they're they're ready to act, they're being intentional, they're being helpful. 
That's an incredible quote. Oh, it's so good. And I love the piece where he says, to strengthen each other in all labor. That's really what we're all about. That's what you and I want to be about, Don. And we do our best. And we want to encourage everybody out there as well to be doing that. Like, ask yourself, how can I stop and listen and do something? In other words, how can I strengthen my spouse? How can I be there for them when they are weak? Right. And and to, to strongly help help them in a way that's going to get them through their tough right. time. How can we be that team where, you know, when I fall down, you help me up. And when you fall down, I help you up. How can we be that team together? Well, with that, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Loving the Fight Marriage Podcast. Remember, you can do it. You got this. Keep loving the fight. We'll see you next time.